Welcome to the Dude Catholic Podcast. I'm your co-host Adrian here with two men who like to say mucho to their Spanish-speaking friends. Hola! Because it means a lot to us. <laughs> you say I'm Javier Sandoval. And... I am. <laughs> Dang, what the it's, heck is wrong it's staying, with me? It's staying, it's staying. Go, go, All go. Right. I'll, I'll Javier cut. Sandoval. Dennis Grady. That's right. <laughs> Our scripture today comes from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 18. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the close of the age. Mmm. Delicious. Delicious indeed. <laughs> so let's get this podcast on the road. Today we have a very special guest. Not Javier this time. He's <laughs> special in different ways. Uh, <laughs> many different ways. Indeed. <laughs> it's, it's a term of endearment. But the reason, the reason why, why I say our, our guest is, is special is because he, he, comes, he comes from the Far East. Not just New York, but... Literally, yeah. Literally. But, but faith-wise. You know, and, and hopefully he'll teach us a couple of things about... From the land of the buffaloes. <laughs> Buffalo, about, New York, that is. T- talking about the eastern right of the church. Go Bills. <laughs> You know, speaking, speaking, speaking of the bills, I, I I don't bring this up often in the podcast, but one of my one of my students uh, from the school where Javier and I used to teach ended up going to the to the Bills. He played for USC, then he went to the Bills, and now he's back at LA with the Rams. Uh, Mr. Robert Woods. That's right, you know him. Woods. Yeah. Do you remember he's a very when good you, wide receiver? Do you remember yeah. when you reached out to him? I think it was, yeah. I, and you asked him if he knew me. And he me. replied back. Yeah, if he knew Mr. Sandoval, yeah. and he said, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like, it said something like, tell him I said hello or something. It was on something. Twitter, right? Yeah, on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Dang, that's crazy. crazy. That's crazy, so, yeah. He replied to my Instagram message. I'm like, oh, snap, that's cool. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. He's oh, a great him? kid. Yeah. you follow him? Oh, yeah. I should follow him. I'm going to I'm gonna go back on there. I'm going to start following him. Great kid. Uh, yeah. one, one of the things that, that a lot of people may not know is that his uh, sister died here I am airing out all his business, you know, his older sister. Um, and before before passing away, she told him, be a role model. So well, he took you, that to heart. If and you if knew, you knew if, him. Yeah, if you knew Robert yeah. Woods, Robert Woods was a stand-up guy. I mean, he was respected by everyone, guys and girls. And, and also, he was a great uh, student on top of being a superb athlete. So... Yeah, that was before Anyways, I was the, uh, uh, the the teacher that I am now. I wasn't respected by anyone. But, um, but yeah, they, they listened to him. Like, yeah. I remember one time they were getting out of hand. And he's like, hey, guys, come down. Silence. Wow. I was like, hey, that's my that's job. Amazing. That's amazing. 
<laughs> Tells you something about how long, how far I've come. Yeah. Uh, speaking of far, though, the east. The east is west. The east is the east is far. You know what? Never mind. Hey, hey, the sun may rise. One on world, the, right? One world. There you go. The sun, may, <laughs> the sun may rise on the east, but it sits on the west. But anyways, so we're we're, we're going to be talking about the different rights of the church, and as we know, there's 23 different rights of the church. Um, That's right. Maybe you could lead us into discussion. What is a well, right, and what is it? Well, correct you a little bit. There's 23 eastern rights, 24 total rights. Oh, okay. Well, and then. The one rite that everyone knows is the Roman Catholic or Latin rite of the church. That's right! And we're in the West here, so, uh, but we're going to focus on the East today, <laughs> bringing the East in. So a rite actually just means uh, ritual. It's the way you celebrate uh, the Mass, right? Mm -hmm. And the correct term is going to be church. And if you read the book of Revelation, you'll notice that there are the seven churches that are mentioned, right? Uh -huh. that's uh, right. The message to the seven churches. That's right. that's right. And yes, there's one Catholic church, but that's just the umbrella. There, there's actually 24 churches within that one Catholic church. And a lot of people just think that the Western church or the Latin church is the church, but it's not. Mm. It's just the Western lung. As Pope St. John Paul II mentioned, we have to breathe with both lungs, right? And we're one body, one body in the church, St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, but many different parts, right? And likewise, there's two lungs. So why we read the gospel today from Matthew chapter 28 is simply because Jesus commissioned the apostles to go out into the whole world and baptize all nations in the Trinity. And when the apostles spread out, historically speaking, we have the apostle Thomas that went out to India. Mm -hmm. Southern India, actually, Kerala. I have a friend from there, a couple friends that are Eastern Catholic, Cyril Malabar. Again, these are just one of the That's many right. rites. And uh, when St. Francis Xavier, many people know him, right? he went to Japan, he went to India. He was from Spain, I believe, or Portugal. He was Spanish, but he was Basque. Yeah. Okay. And he was surprised when he landed, um, well, he landed in Goa, but he traveled to Kerala as well, and he found... Catholics worshiping uh, in the mountains, but they weren't Roman Catholic. They were Cyril Malabar. So they're from St. Thomas the Apostle, right? Who went and died and Amazing. he was martyred by the Hindus. Um, the tradition is he was pierced with a spear in the side like Christ, because remember he put his fingers in the side, saying, my Lord and my God, and he died that way as well. But what we have is Again, the apostles going out to different regions. St. Andrew actually went across the Black Sea to modern-day Ukraine in the mountains there, the uh, uh, Cappadocian region. Yes. And we have, again, the Peter and Paul going to Rome, mm -hmm. okay, and uh, to the Greek-speaking people. Mm -hmm. And so we have, you can trace all the apostles, right? And we're not going to get into all of that, but basically uh, what occurred was the apostles preached the same gospel to all these different lands but they based it around the culture in which the people uh, were uh, accustomed to and the even the mass itself which is actually called the divine liturgy uh, in the east uh, became accustomed to the people in that region and so that's why we have again 24 different uh, catholic rites within the church. And maybe you want to just talk a little bit about your experience uh, when you first experienced that there was an Eastern 
uh, lung of the church? Um, yeah, no, I, I, you know what I, what I wanted to, to, to kind of further what you were just saying is, um, the, the whole enculturation of the faith, uh, I think, uh, is very, there's also something you call popular piety, but I don't want to confuse the audience, but, um, and the enculturation of the faith, and it's really interesting because even to this day, when you go to Mexico or you go to, uh, Central America, South America, or if you've ever been to Africa, um, Africa is a continent, obviously, obviously, but there's different countries within Africa. Uh, there's an acculturation of the faith. And even though they have the Roman right there, they have other rights there too. You see how the local native people have taken uh, the, the church, they've taken the mass, they've taken the, the different um, teachings of the church and the different expressions of prayer of the church, and they have adopted them to their own way of expressing it according to their culture with their own language and their own traditions with like in Africa in some places in Nigeria right there's a lot of singing and dancing and stuff which you know here in America we don't go to mass and see people singing and dancing um, you know so it's very beautiful to see things like that but I did want to I wanted to come back and I wanted to make sure the audience doesn't get confused that when we talk about these 24 churches or 23 churches um, that we I want to make sure that we understand that they're all under the umbrella of what we call the Catholic Church and with the pontiff or the head of the church being the Pope it's very important that we understand that even though mm-hmm. um, we have these different rights of the church and they have their own bishops and they have their own way of worship and sometimes you know done differently a little differently but we all believe um we're all unified in one faith um and and one one lord and and one head of the church visible head uh which would be the pope uh can you explain to us the difference between now the orthodox eastern orthodox and now in these 23 rites do they overlap or is there some overlap there or sure let me maybe break that down a little bit so a lot of people when they walk into um like i'd say a byzantine catholic church right they'll think it's an orthodox church right the orthodox are a bit more popular it seems for for some reason like the russian orthodox or the greek orthodox and you see the priests they have long beards right Mm -hmm. um they have a lot of incense right yeah well, let's break it that break it back a little bit to again the apostles, right? All of them were under, as Javier said, the Pope, right? And we can go back and read Church Fathers, and we can see how if there's a dispute going on between two bishops. They ultimately they, they don't go to another church; they go to the Pope. They actually go to the Bishop of Rome to get a resolution. And again, when the apostles spread out, uh, ultimately there became five major churches or patriarchates Mm. and Rome was one of them and then there was uh, Constantinople present-day Turkey or Istanbul Uh, there was Antioch there was Alexandria and then there was Jerusalem and there were five major patriarchates but the Pope the one in Rome had the headship and again there's evidence of that with the early church uh, writings we can see that they would always go back to the one in rome the bishop of rome so we saw that unification even back in the early church we're talking a few 300 years 400 years into the church history right 
we have the different councils, right? Uh, yeah. People have heard of Santa Claus before. Indeed. Well, actually, Santa Claus is the original St. Nicholas of Mira. He was an Eastern Catholic bishop. Ah, a Greek. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Okay. Yes. Mind blown. Yeah, I, I, thought it was, I always yeah. thought he was part of the Roman Rite. Okay. Yeah. And, just, and just so people know um, yeah. how out of, out of our league we are here in the uh, Dude Catholic Podcast, the, as you were speaking about all this stuff, I was following. But the only thing that I could think about was that in Turkey... There's this place called Batman. Batman! <laughs> what the heck is that? I just wanted to bring everyone down to dude Catholic level for a second because that has nothing to do with anything. But I wanted to say something because I haven't heard my voice in a while and we all know I love the sound of my own voice. <laughs> Proceed, sir. Thank you. Oh, good. I'd like to hear more about Batman a little bit later, but I was going to focus more on decking the halls you know, Santa Claus, but really uh. decking the heretics because Santa Claus actually decked a heretic at the Council right. of Nicaea 325. Right. Allegedly Aaron. speaking. <laughs> uh, he repented afterward, but anyway. I would so. love to be there. Because <laughs> see, people think it's all like, oh, you know, everyone was civilized and they were all like, let's just get along. No, no, no. These are people bearing marks of torture. Oh, yeah. You know, and they were dudes arguing about the most important things in our existence. You know, and so people think it's all like, oh, yeah, everyone's just getting along, kumbaya, whatever. No, no, there was some slaps happening at the very least, you know. So when someone says, oh, yeah, Santa Claus punched uh, a heretic in the face, uh, Arian, right? Yes. Arian, not not that far from Adrian, you know, just saying. Well, let's, let's, st- let's stay in the East. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so some of those, the main differences... Um, that are that exists between the east and the west um obviously the language uh that is used in in the divine liturgy or in the mass is obviously the most obvious visible but but also the the priesthood can can you talk about that what 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 do you see there in the differences between the eastern rite and and obviously the roman rite well i don't want to get there just yet we'll come back to to the priesthood, I, I just wanted people to get okay. an idea of what's happening here. So you, you asked a question earlier about the Orthodox. And sure, sure. So yeah, I want to stick on that. Go for it. Yeah, finish your thought. All we have is Catholic until the year 1054 A.D., mm-hmm. right? We well, have uh, a uniformity, right, again, under the Pope. Yeah. And we have different expressions of the faith, diversity within the unity, right? Bad, bad. And so in the, a lot of the Eastern Catholic churches, for example, they focus more on the Trinity, but in the West they focus maybe more on the oneness of God, right? Mm-hmm. So if you go to Eastern Catholic Church, let's just say Byzantine, since I'm Byzantine, or Ukrainian Catholic, uh, you have, you walk into it, again, you have a lot of incense, usually maybe a priest has a beard, not always. Um, the priest could be married, and that will go back to Javier's question on that. Uh, there's a lot of different traditions, but again, it's all legitimate. And the vestments look different, very colorful. They have icons instead of statues, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, all these different mm-hmm. things. Um, so it, it's very different, but they have the common element of the liturgy of the word, meaning that you hear the gospel reading, right? You hear the Old Testament, Psalms, New Testament. And then you have the liturgy of the Eucharist. They have the same words of consecration, normally. And then you have com- Holy Communion, right? Etc. So you have liturgy of the word, liturgy of the Eucharist, and that's all there in all the churches, right? Uh, but everything leading up to that or everything 
within that can look a lot different. And so leading up to 1054 AD is where you have the great schism. <clears throat> we have the schism of the East and West. And again, it's a lot of it's political, but it's also just a matter of uh, one of the five major churches that I mentioned that, thinking they have equal power to Rome or equal authority, I should say. But again, going back to scripture, Matthew chapter 16, right? We see that Jesus gave the keys to one and he gave him the Peter. And we know Peter is the first bishop of Rome. Okay. And so what we have here is we have the Orthodox. They become the Orthodox, right? Quote unquote church when really before it was the Catholic Orthodox Church or Orthodox Catholic Church. It was all one. So then you have 500 years past that point. So now we have like the 1500s AD. A lot of the Orthodox churches, right, came back in union with the Pope, right? Nice. And this is where you have the Eastern Catholic churches now. Because nice. almost all of them became Orthodox after the schism, right, gotcha. which means like a separation, right? They separated themselves from Rome and they said, gotcha. we don't want to be under the Pope's authority. We see this with the SSPX, right, traditional Latin Mass uh, folks that don't want to be under the Pope's authority, they started the SSPX church. Exactly. Right? Um, it's very similar to that. They have their own bishop and very priest, good. but not under the Pope. But the Eastern Catholic churches are under the Pope. Um, there's only one Eastern Catholic, just to point that out, one Eastern Catholic church that never separated was the Maronites. Mm. The Maronites always stayed under the Pope, and they're from Lebanon. So shout out to the Maronites. Good job. Now, is there a version of the of the um, of the Byzantine right that is still not under the Pope? What do you mean by Byzantine right? Not yeah. under the Pope. So for example, <clears throat> there's Easter there's uh, there's obviously the Armenian Orthodox. Correct. But there's also the Armenian Catholic uh, right. Mm -hmm. And which if you look at them, if you mm -hmm. go to their liturgies, they're very they're pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean by uh, and then the other one would be a Coptic, right? I think there's a Coptic, Coptic right? right. Yeah, right. a Coptic Egypt, right that, Egypt, that's yeah. under the that's under the Pope, but there's also a Coptic right that's not under the Pope. Is that correct? That is correct. So yeah, yeah. what so happened here Byzantine, was... That's what I'm asking about the Byzantines. Oh, yeah. There's, so there's a ton of Byzantines that are not under the Pope. That's, that's what that was my question. So yeah. when when a lot of them came back, Ukrainians being the first, and that's I'm part of the Ukrainian Catholic Church, also the Ruthenians, mm -hmm. not all of them came back, just a handful of them. Okay, that's very good. And very so good. Yeah. that's where we get... I mean, it's not very good, get, but... Right, just, yeah. yeah. So that's why you, you can... Unfortunately, that's not very... Not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you go to... <laughs> If you go to Ukraine, you'll see Ukrainian Catholic, you'll see Ukrainian Orthodox, okay? Yeah. And of course, okay. one's under the Pope, one's not. But they look very similar. They're pretty much identical. Um, but that's why, right? Because they have the same origin. It's just that um, when they broke off, right, some came back afterward and some stayed. Yeah. And, and for the audience to know, Dennis is actually Byzantine and he's also Ukrainian. Yeah, so Ukrainian, just, Greek, Catholic, which is, again, there's the five major churches and there's five major traditions. Within each of those traditions, there are different churches, yeah. lowercase c, if you will, or rites, as some people call exactly. them. And, okay. he, and he's also a Buffalonian, but don't hold that against him. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's buffalo. mostly because he, he likes buffalo wings. But anyways. Let's right. buffalo wings. Josh Allen. Don't we all. <laughs> Um, yeah, 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 when he flew into L.A., he wanted me to take him to Buffalo Wild Wings, but I said, hey, buddy, take it easy. Um, no. I'll wait till I get back. I, I know that, that also... You want to talk about the priests? No, yeah, we talked about the priests, how in the, in, in the Roman Rite, the priests, 
are not married. They're celibate in the, in the Eastern Rite. They're allowed to get married, but they have to get married before right. before they receive the sacrament of, of holy, holy orders. Um, like our deacons, I right? I was going to say, yeah. Like, Very like our deacons. deacons. See, this is the episode where I get to kick back because I, when I think something, you're already saying it. So I'm, this is good. <laughs> this is good for me. You're on vacation. Hey, it's humbling and it's, it's good. It, if I'm, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but but in the Eastern Rite, the, the, also the... Um, when where the Eucharist is uh, affected, ah, yes, yes. right? The 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 transfer uh, transubstantiation of the Eucharist occurs in the Roman rite when the priest confects or mm-hmm. says the words of consecration. Um, if I'm not mistaken, in the Eastern rite, it's when the, the priest Epiclesis when he calls down, calls the, Holy down the Holy Spirit, Spirit upon the gifts, right? Yep. So it's just again, you know, the cool thing is, you would say, well, isn't there a definitive teaching? Yes, it's the words of consecration, right? Mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. That's from the Council of Trent, I believe. But at the end of the day, uh, both churches, Western, Eastern churches, they they both have the calling down of the Holy Spirit. And so at the end of the day, right, whether we want to talk about those distinctions, uh, the same thing's happening, right? And so we can just say at the end of, of, of the consecration, at the end of the epiclesis, it's the Eucharist, right? Ooh, well... With that being the case, um, there's also another difference in a lot of the Eastern churches. Not all of them, right, because the Maronites are very similar to the, the Latin church. And then you have the Armenian, uh, is, I would say, is very similar. But in the, a lot of the Byzantine churches, or I should say all the Byzantine churches, they don't use leavened bread like what we are oh, yeah, accustomed yeah, yeah. to. There is um, unleavened, I'm sorry. We use leavened bread. Yeah, exactly. Me. It's the other way around. Yeah. Unleavened bread's in the West, right? Yeah. In the East, it's unleavened bread. And it's basically cubicles, right? And it's, there's something called intinction where you have the, <clears throat> well, what once was bread and wine, uh, they're, they're in one, one chalice together, and you receive the Eucharist on a golden spoon, mm-hmm. right? With your head tilted back. And it sounds a lot different, but it's basically like you're acting like a child being fed, right, by your father, right? And so you go up and you receive the Eucharist both body and blood together, right, in a three-dimensional form, right, uh, cubicle form, um, and you receive together. And a lot of people I know from the West have come over, they, they said they felt like they're, you know, chewing on Jesus' flesh, and, and uh, you know, so. Now, it's a very unique but very particular question, especially given our times. Did they continue doing that during the whole COVID, or did they stop Correct. that we, practice? Oh, yeah, we continued. Oh, that's that's, that's wonderful, and and that, you see, you see, so many practices have have left uh, the Roman Rite uh, because of COVID. Obviously, um, in terms of the Eucharist, we do not receive communion under the chalice, unfortunately, and other things like holy water and different things have now uh, faded away, unfortunately. And who knows when they will come back? Um, but you know, during this time, I, I started going to a a Armenian Catholic Rite. And I, it was very unique, and it was very beautiful. And I remember one of the reasons, actually, I started going to it is because of the fact that it was, it was open, right? Here in, mm. in, in Los Angeles County, in Orange County, a lot of the churches were closed during— uh, all the churches were closed, for that matter. You could not go to church. You had to, you know, live stream for the longest time. And also, even then, you couldn't go to church uh, inside. And I was very indignified that by that. That hurt me. That, that hurt. It was, it was horrible. Right. Well, my friend actually uh, in Arizona, the FSSP, Fraternal Society of St. Peter, the Latin Mass, yeah. their parish quadrupled in size during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people stopped, a lot of young people, people stopped going go. to the 
Norbert's mm-hmm. Ordo, a yeah. 1970 mass that everyone's used to. So anyway, going back, so we have these liturgies are actually from the three four hundreds A.D. And you walk into it today, it's the same liturgy that our ancestors celebrated 1,700 years ago. Wow. That's, Un- that's unlike amazing. when you walk into a, a modern Catholic church, if you will, it's from 1970. Sure, sure. It's, it's yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I, I noticed at the, well, one of the things I really enjoyed at the um, Armenian Catholic uh, church and the right uh, was, uh, first of all, like I said, that the, they, they had their own bishop. And they didn't have to abide by the local uh, metropolitan, which in mm. this area is uh, Archbishop Jose Gomez, mm. who's now actually the president of the Catholic Conference for Bishops. But um, they didn't have to abide by the rules of the, the local diocese or the archdiocese um, they, because they have their own diocese. So they can have their church open, which was amazing. So I was going to church inside. That's one of the beautiful things that I really enjoyed. But one of the things that I also I, I enjoyed is that uh, there was a lot of singing. And also, um, I, I, I'm not sure in any other rites they have this, but they have curtains. They have these curtains that go all the way to the ceiling these big red curtains and they open up mm. and they close they open up wow. and they close and it's just it was dramatic. it was really dramatic, dramatic. And it, yeah it was amazing it reminded me like it, like if i was like going to the temple in jerusalem uh, and yeah. there was a veil yeah. that yeah. was healing yeah. the holy and that's of what holies. it's supposed to be from yeah. exodus right yeah and then on top of that they're wearing like these sandals or some kind of like oh, wow. free, like t- special uh foot gear well, uh that was part like liturgical with designs on it little crosses and stuff sweet. you know it was, it was really it was really awesome um it was really interesting to see all that but when, but when I went to go receive communion, they did um, have um, very similar, if not the same, as the Roman Rite, which mm. was a, a host, 11, unleavened bread. Of, of and how did you receive that? Um, you receive it on your tongue. Yeah, You mm. do not receive it on your hands. That's the thing. You Is can't, there intinction? No, there was mm. no intinction. Okay. Uh, now, I wonder if they eliminated, they decided to eliminate intinction. Mm. So I, I would... I would have to ask you know the priest there but i highly doubt it because i don't right. think it was part of their their right i see but unlike the maronites who do yeah, yeah. or like the byzantines yeah well yeah. it's not really necessarily intinction but and this is where the caveman comes in and says <laughs> what the heck is intinction <laughs> i'll let javier talk about that oh one. god man oh yeah well it's basically let's say that in your church you go to you have the host and then you have the chalice that you used to have before covid um, the intention would be when the, the, let's say the priest has the chalice in his hand and the host, and he'll take the host and he'll dip it inside of the precious blood and then give it to you. Yeah, That's intention. It's, it's beautiful. Gotcha. For those of us who... Layminster. Yeah. I guess it's kind of like a... It gives us access to the fraction, right? If, you know, just to bring it down to the, like I said, the caveman terms. Because, <laughs> I mean, I thought I was so advanced. I'm like, oh. Fraction right. That's cool. I know that now. I'm gonna look out for that. Like no, like dip, get, yeah. receive. Yeah, yeah. and stuff. they only do it on special occasions. At least in the Roman right, they, they it's very. Yeah, I remember because yeah. here's the thing. I made my first Holy Communion in Mexico, like deep in Mexico. So when sure. you talk about the expression of the faith, yeah. um, it was it was a little different. You know, like in Mexico, you have like way more processions. 
Like sure. that's way common. Like a lot of flowers, a lot of food, a lot of uh, you know abstinence from it before the procession. Then you have the procession. Then you go to mass. Then you come out yeah. and then you indulge. You know your beast. Wow. Yeah. And so there, there's that beauty of the of the Mexican culture in that. Yeah, it's and interwoven with beautiful. Yeah. 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 And I remember I remember actually receiving. Um, help me out with the term again. Intention. Intention. There you go. Because uh, it sounds like tinge, you know. So yeah, yeah, I get, yeah, yeah. It, it makes sense. It makes sense. Tinge. I'm into words. I like words. Yeah, no, it's 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 pretty awesome. And like I said, it's only done on special occasions, but but it's it's nice. But I think it's very important for for us to to uh, clarify and to say that um, when you receive under either species, whether it be um, the consecrated uh, Eucharist or the bread or the consecrated bread. wine, um, you're receiving the entire uh, Jesus, right? right? Body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. No more bread or wine. Yeah. yeah. So it's 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 very important that we, we say that because some people say, well, unless I receive the consecrated, you know, wine or the, the consecrated bread uh, of our Lord, um, then it's not fully Jesus. I need both his body and his blood. But no, you receive his yeah, body, blood, soul, tra- and divinity in both, that, yeah. under both species. Right. Correct. And I think it's very important to, oh, to say so that. So here's a few yeah. other cool cool little tidbits, Byzantine tidbits, if you will, in the Byzantine church. Uh, when you're baptized as a baby, you receive baptism, confirmation, or chrismation, it's called, with holy chrism oil, and the Eucharist. And how do you do that? Well, guess what? They put a little drop of the precious blood in the baby's mouth. Yeah, that's awesome. Dang. So you get all the you get fully yeah, initiated yeah. into the faith, all the the sacraments of initiation, which unfortunately we in the Roman Rite we've uh, gone away from that so much so that now we we uh, deprive our, our our children of getting confirmation until they're in high school, and we deprive uh, the Eucharist. Uh, of our children until they're of age of reason, which is most of the time second grade, as uh, commonly in the West. But and then it becomes like a graduation almost. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, which is not what it's supposed Detrimental. to be. Detrimental. Yeah, I received both when I was seven. Oh, wow. I tell people, yeah, I received uh, communion and confirmation when I was seven. So two separate masses, me wearing a white three-piece suit. Um, it was an interesting experience, and uh, but it was kind of cool. Uh, another thing I tell people is that I cheated on my test because the guy next to me was like whispering the answers, and I was like, "Okay, cool." <laughs> so I don't. So here, and that's at least a, they that's, gave you a test, man. Nowadays they don't do anything. Yeah, yeah no, and, and the, cool, the cool thing is that yeah. the cool thing is that you know you don't earn a sacrament. Yeah. So I felt bad for the longest time, and so I felt like I had to teach at a Catholic school to redeem myself. And uh, <laughs> here we go. You know, and, and you're speaking to that, it's it's really unfortunate. Just the other day, I was having a conversation with my colleagues teaching the theology department at Servite uh, that it's really unfortunate that they have uh, that they don't allow the the local, you know, diocese don't allow. I don't think anywhere they don't allow Catholic high schools unless that Catholic high school is attached to a Catholic parish to uh, administer uh, baptism confirmation or uh first holy communion to their students and it's sad because can you imagine how many more students would be receiving their sacraments uh coming into the faith getting baptized uh doing their first holy communion if if they didn't do it even though they're catholic uh or getting their confirmation done not having to worry about going on an extra day i teach at a school where the kids are extremely busy uh with sports and 
extracurricular activities and for them to say okay I have to go now to another class at this parish where I I'm taking every day I'm taking this class on theology yeah. and I probably know more than the teacher at that parish <laughs> like some of my a students lot, have told me a lot of times they yeah, do yeah my students have told me that you know like I know more than the teacher uh, and I have to take this class and it's 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 just really I don't know I I really think the bishop should rethink that one yeah, um, they for sure. definitely. Do, I mean, what's the goal here? Evangelization. What's the goal? Getting getting people to the sacrament. Getting you know souls to the to the graces of, yeah, of the and, sacrament. And the cool thing is, like with confirmation, there are graces that are helping you grow in your faith. Right? Maybe you could talk more about that in a, in a moment. But you receive special graces upon confirmation, and imagine you receive that grace. Grace builds on nation uh, nature. Saint Thomas Aquinas says, right? Love and it. so. Basically, the longer that you're confirmed, the more that grace gets to work with your nature. And so if you're confirmed as a baby, you have all of that time to grow. Yeah. Whereas you just receive it when you're older, well, you have less time. But yeah. maybe you can no, talk I about mean, what are the graces I, that confirmation I def- and why I def- is it important? Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree with you. I agree that, that, that well, you know, what we've been saying, that it's better to give them the sacrament while they're younger. Um, I, I totally agree with that. Um, the only thing that I could see as a as a, a slight benefit, uh, if if that because of the way things are and you know you can't change them, is that when when students or when you know people get older, you know, teenagers they get older they start you know kind of distancing themselves from their faith, and I feel like having this um, this sacrament at the high school level kind of brings them back, kind of gives them one more chance to come back and re-examine where they stand in their faith, Mm, whether they're going to live for their faith or they're not. It could go both ways. Yeah, I know, but psychologically speaking, you do make a good point because at at that point when they're going to confirmation, that's uh, that's a formational time of their lives. I mean, Mm -hmm. more or less sophomore year. It is. That's when they're deciding who they're going to be for the rest of their lives. And so if you have a really good program, if you have a really good retreat experience, it's transformational for these kids. And I've met a lot of young people who switch the the way of living, you know, based on based on that one retreat experience that they had. That had nothing to do with the people in there. It had more to do with let's say they had confession, mass, adoration at the height of the retreat. Yeah. And so true. And that changes them. Well, maybe it doesn't have to be related or linked to confirmation. Maybe there should be a mandatory retreat, a mandatory yeah, no, there's, class, there's, you know, and there's that something, leads to confession. There's, I mean, you could just on ongoing catechesis that could be required, uh, but ultimately, unless you have a prize, sure. right, like the sacrament, mm-hmm. that more most people won't be motivated. Parents won't be motivated to to enroll their children in that. But statistically, I think that more people have left after confirmation have not come back to the church yeah i i think i think most people well i mean i I, yeah and i agree with that and i but i i don't i don't know if that necessarily has to do with 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 that necessarily um i don't think those two things two things are necessarily linked i think it it has to do majorly with the fact that they go to college and when they go when they wind up going to college um they go to a godforsaken college right. where you know Many of them are. yeah where where not only are they challenged intellectually uh, against their faith but also morally speaking uh, you know everything right. is 
<laughs> coming at them like like no other right they're swimming right. against the current literally right. um so unless you go to a place like uh franciscan university that's right teach chesterton academy yeah. it's a high school very and, good class in buffalo well it's actually all internationally now but but anyways, yeah. So, uh, yeah, unless you go to a, a you know, but, but, you know, you don't necessarily have to go to a good Catholic university to stay Catholic, but it is, it is a lot more difficult. And obviously Adrian uh, had that experience, right? Going to a, a secular university, mm-hmm. um, even though you did study philosophy. Fran- and Franciscan yeah. was expensive. That's why it didn't end up. Yeah, no, I'm still paying uh, for it. <laughs> Literally. Online courses are a lot, a lot cheaper, of course. Ching, ching. But, yeah. Well, yeah, are there any are there any inexpensive colleges that you can go to that are legit? Nope. nope. Not that I Ave know. Maria or Benedictine. Maria I mean, you cool, could you could you could do what a lot of people do. You could pretend no. You can pretend that you're going to be a priest. <laughs> yeah. Which is what I was going to do. Dude, here's the thing. Though. Here's the thing though. I was living in a converted garage when I was terrible. getting ready to go to college. You know, that's yeah. that's my that was my situation. You know, that was my family unit. And, and speaking of the family unit, that's the most important thing. If you want your kids to remain mm. in the faith, you have to be in the faith. Yeah. You know, you have to live it. Otherwise, they're going to see through it. Yeah. You know, and that, that goes back to what we've been talking about in the previous series, um, right before hearing this encyclopedia of a podcast episode, which is just right up my alley. I can just geek out over this episode. I'm probably going to hear it over and over again. Um, but as we're, as we're getting to the... No, I'm serious, dude. Like, this, is, this has been great. Um, but as we're getting towards uh, towards the end, because we uh, this podcast is actually like two or three times longer than uh, than our usual episodes, um, but that's that's how quickly it's passed, and and I've been enjoying the heck out of listening to you two guys. Um, so how 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 can we put a, a nice little bow on this episode? Well, I would just say to maybe go experience uh, Eastern Church, uh, pick one, make sure it's under the Pope. Uh, Eastern Catholic, um, just type it in, Eastern Catholic Church near me, Byzantine, Maronite, Armenian, you know, whatever. I mean, you look it up, look up the list um, of the 24 rites of the Catholic Church and pick one. Uh, I would say go experience it. And again, as Pope St. John Paul II said, we need to breathe with both lungs of the church, meaning that we should, um, you know, basically help one another out. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all part of one body shows that the church is diverse, even though we're unified under the vicar of Christ. And we all have the same theology, uh, dogmatic theology, though, you know, there are some differences in tradition, right? And again, you don't have to be uh, Ukrainian to go to Ukrainian Catholic Church. You don't have to be um, Slavic. You don't have to be Greek. You don't have to be Armenian. In fact, uh, I was in Georgia um, not too long ago. And I went to a Ukrainian Catholic church, and 80% of the congregation was uh, Mexican. Hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. And it's for everybody. So the point of the matter is, we want you to be aware of the Eastern lung. Uh, We don't want to just breathe with one lung in the body. We want both lungs and to experience both expressions of our faith and what do you think of it? No, I I just, when I went to the Armenian Catholic church, one of the things that uh, made me very happy as I saw a statue of John Paul II, and Sweet. that was just, you know awesome. that was amazing. And and John Paul II has definitely uh, not only brought so many of these uh, rites back to the church, mm-hmm. uh, but if you think about his you know his influence not only spiritually but also even in the secular world, you know how ha- how helping bring down 
you know, uh, communism, how bring down the, the Berlin Wall and uniting the East and the West, literally mm. uniting the East and the West politically, mm. but also spiritually. This man in, in John Paul II, uh, pray for us, huh? Amen. Would you say your audience knows about Fatima? at all our lady of fatima i would say so i mean we haven't really talked about it too much in the Mm -hmm. podcast we've been we like i like i mentioned you know earlier like we're we're like little white belts in catholicism ramon and i were more like the knuckle draggers trying to get by you know screwing up and like sharing sharing the fact that we're not perfect in the podcast Mm -hmm. you know but that doesn't that doesn't mean that uh that we can't partake in all this stuff. You know, there's so much beauty in the church. There's so much that we that we have access to, you know, here where we're at. You know, and it's like you said, you just Google it. Google it and Google it. <laughs> or DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo. I don't know if you used that before. But. That's the uh, the private uh, browser, right? Yes, that's great. And nothing's private. Everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every, right. Everything is known. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just, just give it a shot, you know, like check it out. Um, expand your horizons when it comes to... Uh, when it comes to the different um, expressions of the faith. Mm. Because it just like, you know, whether you go to an Armenian one or just, for example, me, like just the Latin mass, you know, like that, mm. that blew my mind. Mm. And to have my mind blown over and over again, I think that's one of the things that we, uh, that we take for granted, you know, that we can actually do that. Like we whine, maybe it's just me, I whine about not being able to do this, this or that because of COVID. Um, but I had this at my disposal the whole time, you know. And now, now actually at my parish, it, it, we're coming back, no masks, no nothing, like next week, so Sunday. I don't have to make a reservation anymore. I don't have to wear a mask when I go receive the Eucharist. I don't have to receive in the hand anymore mm. and then check for particles of the Eucharist and lick my palm while I'm walking <laughs> back to sit down because I do that, you know. And, and I don't know, it just seems, it seems ludicrous that we're not, that we're not taking part in this, so... Hopefully, people can uh, can take this and uh, I don't know. Do what I'm going to do. I'm going to binge this and I'm going to w- listen to it. I was going to say watch it coming soon. We'll do video, um, but yeah, I'm going to listen to this over and over again because it's it's definitely one of those episodes that you're probably going to have to do that for. So pray for us and we'll pray for you. Ferrum ferro. Acquitor. Hey. Viva Cristo Rey. <laughs> Viva Cristo Rey.